Just a few quick things to make mention of immediately after the service. I know our youth are going to meet concerning the youth trip in the youth room. But immediately after this service, uh, we'll have a short, I hope short, church conference. And uh, we'll turn the service over to Brother Dan Eshelman uh, after the invitation tonight and uh, take care of some church business also, Mrs. Donahue, the Donahue sit back here three-quarters of the way back in this center section. Many of you all know them. Uh, Mrs. Donahue, I visited her earlier this past week in the Anderson Hospital. She had a touch of pneumonia and also some low sodium, and uh, I trust she's uh, on the rebound from that, but we need to pray for Mrs. Donahue, just a sweet couple. She's laying there in the hospital bed and telling me how much she missed being at church. And, uh, you know, you that are here tonight, it's a blessing, isn't it, to be able to have the health and strength to be here. And uh, let's pray for Mrs. Donahue and uh, remember her in our prayers as well. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 14 is where we'll begin tonight. Uh, this morning, those of you that were in the morning service, I preached a message on anointed eyes, how a blind man receives sight, and what a great picture of what God does when a soul is saved that sees the light of the glorious gospel of Christ and is born again, and thank the Lord for God giving, amen, spiritual sight to those that trust him as their Savior. And uh, we're going to look tonight in Revelation chapter 3 to some more anointed eyes, this in relation to the church and to the people of God, the saints of God. And we read about that in Revelation 3, verse number 14. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. The very root of the problem with the church of Laodicea was not just the fact that they had need. The problem with the church at Laodicea, they were so consumed with themselves, they did not see that they had a need. Self-deception, that is a very dangerous thing in this church age. It's a dangerous thing among even conservative Bible-believing churches in this nation that we have need, but we are blinded to the fact that we don't think we have a need. And that was the case of this church. I'll read verse 17. Or, uh, the Bible says, "...because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing." And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. 
I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And here's the basis of our reading this text tonight. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. I think the point of the message tonight, there's not only blindness among unsaved people, spiritual blindness that need the glorious light of the gospel and need to be saved. There's blindness among the church and among God's people where they just don't see clearly what God needs them to see. Spiritual blindness. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear. Do you have an ear tonight? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray before the message. Lord, thank you again for the privilege to preach. Thank you for this blessing it is, Lord, honor and privilege, Lord, it is to stand behind this pulpit and give forth the Bible. God, I pray that we have not met in vain. I pray that tonight you would deal with hearts, Lord, even as you have during the song service. Thank you for the good singing, the good testimony and presentation of a man that seeking to get your word to the juvenile sinners and these, uh, Lord, needing desperately so much the gospel and help from the Bible. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, how you've stirred us tonight. And I pray, God, through your word, Lord, you would help us, Lord, as only you can. And we'll give you the thanks, and we sure praise you tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The church at Laodicea were deceiving themselves in thinking they had need of nothing. That in itself is a position of apathy. Apathy is a dangerous foe of the church. To say I have need of nothing is the same lukewarm status that made God sick whereby he would seek to spew them out of his mouth. Lukewarmness, apathy, complacency, coasting through life, as if nothing needs attention. If we're all honest, and I want us to be tonight, do you want to be real honest with yourself and with God? I would dare say everyone in this church house tonight needs something from the Lord. You need help. For us to say in our own spirit that we have arrived that everything is perfect in our lives, not only toward others, but also toward God, I'd say you are deceiving yourself. 
Yes, there's room to grow. Yes, there's room, amen, to take a step forward for Jesus Christ. Yes, there's room for growth. Yes, there's room for improvement. And we need to let God put the flashlight, amen, of the word of God down deep in our soul. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, search me tonight. This is a terrible state, a tragic state, a testing state that this church was in where they acknowledged we have need of nothing. I've preached from this text before, and I want to share just a few things from verse 17, verse 18, 19 following some things that God said to this church that they did have need of. I see in verse, let's look at verse number 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Something that is acknowledged by God in verse 18 as he said that they knew not that they were wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. Verse 18, he said, I counsel thee. I would say, first of all, by looking at this text, what they didn't realize they needed was something God said they needed, and they needed God's counsel. They needed God's mind instead of their own mind. They needed God's wisdom and God's direction. I'm glad Isaiah chapter 9 says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, amen, the mighty God. He is a counselor and we need God's counsel. Need God's mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Where do you find Christ's mind? In the Bible. I need the word of God. I need to stay in this book so I can have God's thoughts and not my own thoughts. Amen. There's some room for improvement, I'd say, for a lot of us just to spend more time getting God's counsel and leaning not on our own understanding. We need God's wisdom. We need God's counsel. Oh, how we need that. You'll find God's counsel not only in a multitude of other counselors, you'll find God's counsel at his feet. There's no better place to seek God's wisdom Listen, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, amen, cometh down from the Father of lights. And God said in that same book, in the book of James, if any man lack wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask of God. You need God's counsel. Where are you going to find God's counsel? On your knees, on your face before God in prayer and asking God for his counsel. Amen. Prayer. We need God's counsel. Another thing in verse 18, Revelation 3, verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. This church not only needed God's counsel at the first part of verse 18, but they also needed God's capital. What do you mean? Well, they said that thou mayest be rich. That's only rich and wealth that comes from riches and wealth that comes from God. You know what the Bible said in the book of Proverbs chapter 10? It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. 
A lot of people have money on this earth, but they don't know what the riches of God are all about. A lot of people have things and possessions, but I tell you, it's a lot better when you're rich toward God. Amen? And that's something this world knows nothing about. I want and I need God's wealth, God's riches, as we put here for alliteration, say God's capital. Amen? I need the riches that come from God. What else do I need? Well, the Bible says here in verse 18 as well, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. I need God's clothing. Amen. I need his righteousness. Amen. Not having mine own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 22 says this, and I'll read a few verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And listen, and that you put on the new man which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Yes. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. What's that? That's being clothed with Christ's righteousness. Amen. Yes. Speak the truth and lie not. Bible says, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Amen. That's having Christ's righteousness, not your own. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. What's that? That's Christ's righteousness. Amen. Being honest. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What is that? Not letting, that's, that's the righteousness which is of Christ. Amen. Having the right speech. Talking right. Amen. Verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I need God's righteousness. I need to be clothed with the clothing that comes from Christ. Yeah. Amen. Now, Revelation chapter 3, we didn't finish there. Let's continue to look in Revelation 3. Not only do I need God's counsel, I need God's capital, I need God's clothing. The Bible says in verse number 19, the Bible says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. We need God's chastening. Boy, we don't like that, do we? Oh, God, help us. Amen. When we're under the chastening hand of God. But listen, God chastens those whom he loves. And listen, the Bible says if you're without chastisements, you're bastards and not sons. We need the chastening hand of God. We need God to correct us when we go astray, when we do wrong, when we uh, do that which is sinful in God's sight. And God chastens us. Thank the Lord for the chastening of the Lord. We need that. We need that. This church said we don't need anything. There's nothing that we need. Yes, you do. Amen. 
You do need some things. Look at verse number 20. I like this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. There's the Lord knocking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. What about Christ standing outside of the church and knocking? That's a sad commentary for the church for Christ to be on the outside and him trying to get in. You know, for security, these, these doors, they lock around us and we, we're pretty tied in here. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. And I could see somebody coming up to the doors of this church because they're locked and they're secure and, and uh, having to knock to get in. But that's a terrible commentary for Christ to be on the outside looking in. He should be in the center, in the midst of the church, not on the outside looking in. We need God's communion. We need the communion of God to come in and to sup with us and he with him. I appreciate the spirit that We've had in this service, I believe God's been speaking to hearts tonight. Are you glad for that? I know I am. I'm thankful for God working in hearts, the communion that the Lord gives. And here's the, the point of the message tonight in this text, as we mentioned when we read our text. If you'll look at the end of verse number 18, what the church of Laodicea thought they had no need of. They had need of many things. God's counsel, God's capital, God's clothing, God's chastening, God's communion. And in verse number 18, the end of the verse, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. You know, I don't know the consistency of this eye salve. That eye salve is an ointment for the eye. Maybe much different from that which the Lord applied to the blind man. We talked about this morning that uh, dirt and that spittle. God put that together and made that clay and put on those eyes two things you wouldn't want anywhere near your eyes, spit or dirt. Amen. Don't want that near your eyes. But God put that on that blind man's eyes and he went and washed, amen, after the master had touched his eyes and he came seeing, amen, after God anointed his eyes. Here God tells the church that the church needs their eyes anointed and this anointed with eye salve, that ointment. Isaiah chapter number 1 in a rebuking way, speaking to the people of God, the children of Israel, Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 6. I'm going to turn over there and read that verse. From the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. What a description of, of sores that the children of Israel had putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. 
That word mollified is a rare word. Matter of fact, the only time you'll find that in your Bible is Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 6. Mollified with ointment. That means softened or appeased. That which is wounded and that which is putrefying, that which is an open sore is appeased and softened by the ointment that is placed upon that wound or that sore, mollified with ointment. Listen, our eyes spiritually, we need to have the ointment of Almighty God put upon our eyes to where we can have our eyes opened and seeing the needs in our own lives, mollified with ointment. Another great word in the Bible, matter of fact, somebody came by me this morning and there was a lot of people that came by me as I stood up front after the service and whispered in my ear that they were reminded of the balm of Gilead. I remember Dr. Seitler preaching and talking about that old sinner that got saved uh, listening to the radio and came and visited him while he was at a restaurant and that famous message, Can God, that Dr. Seidler preached, and he talked about that old sinner woman, amen, telling her that there's a bomb in Gilead. That bomb is anything which heals or which soothes or mitigates pain, amen. That cleansing, that healing agent that is applied to something that is wounded or sore. We need our eyes anointed with eye salve so we might see clearly what God wants us to see. Amen? Church, we need to see clearly. There's a lot of important things we need to see clearly. We need to have the right vision. And I think that is where my mind is focused tonight is to see like God sees we need to have the right discernment. We've preached on that, talking about a spiritual man. We need the right perception. But church, we need vision. We need to be able to see clearly what God wants us to see. And I think God, in the form of visions in the New Testament, showed a few men in the New Testament church what we needed to see in the church today. The first is found in book of Acts chapter number 11. Let's turn there, please. Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11. Is everybody with me? Amen. We need to see clearly. We need to have our eyes anointed with eye salve that we might see. If we're blinded by ourself and this world and Secular things, we're not going to see what God wants us to see. We've got to have clear sight. I think the Apostle Peter was having trouble seeing some things that he needed to see in his ministry. And God helped him with his vision. Acts chapter 11, verse number 5. Peter rehearsing here what had happened, he said, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. 
A certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. I tell you, if God does something once, you need to pay attention. If he does something three times, you really, really, really need to pay attention. Amen. Amen. And here, this vision that was given to Peter of these four-footed beasts and this sheet that came down from heaven, and what God had called, or what God had cleansed that he should not call common or unclean. Now, we learn later in this text, as we look down a little further, uh, actually, let's look back a little bit. In verse number 34 of chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verse number 34, the Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Church, listen closely to me tonight. Everybody listen closely. We need our eyes wide open to the need of sinners that all people need the Lord. That God is no respecter of persons. Do you know God's as much concerned about the rich as he is the poor? Somebody say amen. Amen. It doesn't matter what uh, social class you might be in. It doesn't matter what your skin color may be, what nationality you are. God is interested in souls. People need the Lord. What does that mean? That means you need to get rid of some of your prejudices. People need to be saved. Amen. Church, we need our eyes open for the cause of Christ. Everybody needs the gospel. Not the ones throughout uh, your own ciphering system kind of pick who you want to witness to and who you don't. Listen, everybody that you pass, amen, deserves an opportunity to hear the gospel so they can be saved. You say, you don't realize how they look. I'm telling you, God came into this world, amen, to save sinners, and they need to hear about Jesus. I realize there's prejudices through life circumstances that exist. I'll give you an illustration of one. As I pastored in Virginia, we were a very missions-hearted church, and we had flags on extended um, rods that hung out in our church auditorium, circled our auditorium, and we had flags from nations all over the world. Listen, 
one of the elderly people approached me and I, I understand where he was coming from. And I spoke graciously to him. I did not try to have a, a mean spirit toward this elderly gentleman. But he had lived in his early years through World War II. And back in the back, right-hand corner from the pulpit, left-hand corner in the back, as, as from where people would be seated, hung a flag of Japan. And in all sincerity, that man had a problem with us hanging a Japanese flag in our auditorium. And I very graciously explained to him, brother, this has nothing to do with political things at all. These flags represent souls that need the Lord around the world. And this is where we're either have or trying to get missionaries to to preach the gospel. And sir, these flags represent souls that need to be saved. And I think maybe a little bit he understood why I said what I did, but I still don't think he liked us having that flag in our auditorium. And what I'm here to tell you tonight, church, we need to have our eyes open to the need of this world. We need to understand it doesn't matter what nationality, what race, what group of people, amen. People need the Lord. They need to hear the gospel. They need to be saved, amen. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, amen. There's no exception to that. And church, we need to have our eyes anointed with eyes that we might see the need of this globe and see the need of this world. Amen. Missions, oh, the heartbeat of God, getting that gospel around the world. But not only across the sea, across the street. Amen. People need the Lord right here in Greenville County. People need to hear about Jesus. So I see from Peter's vision that uh, Peter saw of the Lord that God is no respecter of persons. This is a vision for people. Turn to Acts chapter 16. These visions, these comments will come from the book of Acts tonight. Acts chapter 16. You know as well as I do when I dive into a subject like this of visions and seeing what we need to see. There's verses from Genesis to Revelation all through the Bible. I could preach a long, long time. I'm hitting some high spots tonight, but what I feel the Lord laid on my heart. Acts chapter 16, look at verse number 9. This is not Peter now, the apostle Peter. This is Paul, the apostle Paul, verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Here's another vision. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I want to say this, and I know this, this is all about souls, but where the statement is made, come over into Macedonia and help us, 
This was a needy region of the world that had a need for the gospel. We need a vision not only for people, we need a vision for places around this, go, around this globe that yet still need to hear about the Lord. We need to have a vision. Church, we need to have our eyes anointed with ISAV that we might see the need of those uh, places. I know the 1040 window has been emphasized and I know there's a need there. Oh, there's a need in the Scandinavian region of the world. There's a need in Africa. Somebody say amen to that. Amen, Dr. Kabe. There's a need in Africa. There's a need in other regions in Asia. There's a need all over the world. There are needs. And Paul's vision where his eyes was open, there was a man of Macedonia saying, oh, please come. Please help us. You know, as I preach this, I can't help but remember when God was speaking to my heart about missions, about stepping aside from what I was doing to go to a mission field. And, and we tried to follow God's leading in that that fashion. Maybe God's speaking to somebody here tonight. Do you know this is not only a mission supporting church, this is a mission sending church. How many people have gone out of Tabernacle Baptist Church over the years to preach in the regions beyond and I don't believe God's finished with that. Do you? Maybe God's calling somebody even through this time in your life, God dealing with your heart, having a vision for the need around this globe. Now turn to Acts 20. I don't think this necessarily was a vision given to Peter and Paul as such, but definitely an important part of the eyesight and having vision. Acts chapter 20. Look please with me at verse number 28. Paul here yet again, verse 17, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church, and he's admonishing them. Of course, the 2020 vision of Acts chapter 20 and verse 20, and have taught you publicly and from house to house, amen, repentance toward God, verse 21, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, all basic things and spreading the gospel and getting the good news around the world. And then in verse 28, he speaks to these elders and says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. That term seer is connected with a prophet of the Old Testament. Before he was called a prophet, the Bible tells us he was first called a seer. A seer, a prophet of the Old Testament, was a foreteller proclaiming the truth of God. He also was a foreteller as God would use that man to tell what was going to be ahead. And listen, any God-called preacher of this day is certainly a fourth teller as he proclaims, thus saith the Lord, but he's also with the prophecies of the Bible a foreteller of what God said in his book. Amen. Amen. So we see a seer, but more particularly an overseer. 
to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul said you got to beware of those coming from the outside in, those grievous wolves that will try to destroy God's flock, God's people. Watch out for the wolves coming from without and coming within. But then in verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Beware of those that come from without and try to come within as grievous wolves. Beware of those that's already in that would arise and try to lead people away. Do you know somebody needs to be watching out for stuff like that? And God's placed an overseer in the church. That's a pastor, that's a bishop, that's an elder. An overseer. Somebody that may be looking for things you might not be looking for. Somebody to keep watch over the flock, amen, to make sure a bunch of old snarly long-toothed wolves don't enter in and try to destroy the flock of God. I think that's the job of a pastor to have oversight to be watching out for the sheep. Amen? Maybe from the pulpit preaching things that maybe you hadn't really considered in your life. Maybe... Amen, out there with that stick or that staff running some wolves away that's trying to cause harm to you. Amen. An overseer. I think about somebody that's watching, somebody that's looking. Matter of fact, verse number 31 says, Therefore, what? Watch. You know what that requires? Somebody that's had their eyes anointed with eye amen, so they can see clearly the dangers that are there that are lurking inside or maybe from outside the church and keeping watch over God's flock. That's somebody with some good eyesight, and I'm not talking about without glasses, amen. I'm talking about somebody that has some spiritual watch about them that's watching for God's people. Amen? That's vision for protection. People perish not only because the message is not proclaimed, people perish also because they are not protected. I thank God for pastors and men of God I've had in my own life that's been watching out for me. Amen? Do you? Do you appreciate God's men that's, amen, towed the line, amen, been willing to set the plow in deep, amen, and plow and watch and root out sin and root out things in my life. Thank God for an overseer that's keeping watch. Listen, you can help watch in your own life. We have an adversary. His name is the devil. And the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need to be watching, church. We need to be watching. 
You need to have your eyes open. You need to have your eyes anointed with eye that so that you can see clearly to protect what God's blessed us with. Amen? Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I'll, I'll finish with this. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse number 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. That's a good word in the Bible. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We see that root word of circumspectly in math when we talk about a circumference of a circle around the outside of that circle the circumference going around in a circle see then that ye walk circumspectly not as fools a foolish man with a Loose line on the prowl would not be just cheerfully walking along, but if he knew a line was close by, he'd be walking around like this. He'd be watching on every side, walking circumspectly, keeping watch in every direction. Church, I see this. And I hope you do too. During a turbulent time, no doubt, in Tabernacle Baptist Church, the old devil, he'll try to attack in every way he possibly can. Whether it's through a misspoken word or an action maybe that there was no discretion, or maybe somebody God's just trying to use as a wolf. The devil will use every little tactic he can to try to disrupt what God's trying to do. You know what we need to do as, as God's people here at Tabernacle Baptist Church? Circumspectly. Watching. Amen. Keep an eye on one another. Keeping your heart invested in God's church, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ above all else, esteeming other better than myself. Amen. You need to walk circumspectly. And you know what that requires? Having your eyes anointed with eye salve so you can see. You need vision. You need vision. You need to see what God's warned us against. You need to see the direction that God wants us to go. You need to have vision. You need to have vision as God's people. You need to have vision. Let's bow our heads, please, for prayer. Nobody looking around. Sinners need their eyes opened to the glorious light of the gospel. Maybe somebody yet here again tonight that would say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I need the Lord. Well, we, we want to invite you to come. 
But the message primarily tonight is to God's people. We need vision. You need vision for your family. You need vision in your own personal life. You need vision for the church, God's people. Don't let the old devil sneak in and try to disrupt what God's doing here at Tabernacle. We need people on watch, amen? We need people walking circumspectly, keeping things in the right vision. Vision. God help us to have vision for this lost world. May God help us to have vision for the church that God would continue to have his good hand of protection upon us. Brother Stevens, he's come with a song, brother, if you will. Please sing a little bit for us tonight. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. Nothing between like worldly pleasure. Habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the time we've had today in the house of God around your word. Thank you for speaking to heart, speaking to my heart. Uh, even through the song service tonight, Lord, it's been such a blessing, amen, to be here at church. Lord, help us to uh, be watchful, have the right vision, see the needs that we have in our own heart and life and in the needs of our church family. God, I pray you'd help us to see clearly. Lord, bless the remainder of this evening, the church conference to come and... and um, the other things scheduled, Lord, I pray you'd bless and continue to have your hand upon this place and these people we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, Brother Dan, we'll turn things over to you, brother, for the conference. All right. Well, I'd like to call the church.